Oh, here of Nehemiah and the rebuilding of a wall. Today we're going to talk about rebuilding. We started just a week ago, if you weren't here last week, we are indeed in the book of Nehemiah, which is the 12th book of the Bible, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah. That's the hint. Open your Bibles, all right? Nehemiah. And I don't have a page number. Pastor Ed? What's it again? 343, Nehemiah chapter 2 is where we are. But, but just to let you know where we're at in the story of Nehemiah, and indeed the wall was busted down. And as you see this morning, we, we have a wall in front of you, and, and the wall that was busted down in Jerusalem was probably a lot taller than this. And this wall, you're going to notice, is a little different because it's actually a wall of brokenness. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a while. So Nehemiah, God put on his heart to rebuild the wall. As Pastor Ed shared with us, the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed some 70 years before. The Babylonians, God had sent the Babylonians because the people weren't obedient to God. They disobeyed his commands, so he sent these Babylonians. And so they went ahead and they burned the gates, they burned the city, and the interesting thing that they did is they removed most of the people from that land and moved them to Babylonia. So you can imagine the place was in disrepair. The people gathered there. They were in disrepair and despair, and there seemed to be no hope. So a visitor came back to talk to Nehemiah. In fact, it was one of his brothers. And Nehemiah said, how's it going? He said, you're not going to believe it, the wall's still down. And Nehemiah was sad in his heart, and God placed in his heart to do something about it, though, to be a part of, in fact, actually rebuilding the wall. And that's where we start today. Please turn with your Bibles, then, to Nehemiah chapter 2. And it reads like this. We're going to take some verses at a time and then share what God would have to speak to us, because it's pretty interesting that a story of some 2,500 years ago would apply to us today. Chapter 2. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, who is the king of Persia, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. By the way, this is an autobiography. Now, I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not ill? This can be nothing but a sadness of heart. And as we recall, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. What does that mean? That means everything that the king drank, he drank first to make sure he got nothing bad. By the way, I think there's something interesting in the water here this week. we got one person, two person that might mean I'm next. Don't drink the water if you don't want to get sick here, all right? And so Nehemiah is the cupbearer to the king, and that means the king really trusted Nehemiah. He had his life in his hands for that matter. And he had authority as well. So Nehemiah comes to the king and he said, and we continue to read, it says there, uh, the continuing verse of chapter, uh, verse 2, I was very much afraid, verse 3, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my fathers are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my fathers are buried so that I can rebuild it. And then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, perhaps Esther, sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. Verse 7. 
I also said, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. And may I have a letter to Asap, keeper of the king's forest, so he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. And because of the gracious hand of my God was upon me, the king granted my request. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and gave them the king's letters. And the king had also sent army officers and cavalry with me. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. So God put on Nehemiah's heart to rebuild the wall. Rubble everywhere. People in despair. And God put him in a unique position. God does that sometimes, right? He gives us certain character traits. He gives us certain training. He puts us in a certain place at a certain time, perhaps you right here, to hear what he has to say to you and what he have in mind for you to do. So what seemed an impossible task, a wall that once was a fortified wall, and how big was this wall? The Bible, the history says something like this, about four and a half miles. Now that might not seem very big, but about 900 acres. So there's a temple there. And by the way, some of the children of Israel had returned to Jerusalem. They built the temple. That was the first return. And Ezra returned the second time with some people, and he shared the word of God and tried to bring them hope. And now Nehemiah returns this time. Seeming impossible task? With God, all things are possible, aren't they? Okay, so we read a little bit further as we take a look at this story and see how it might apply to us. Verse 11. So Nehemiah says, I went to Jerusalem... And after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few men. I had not told anyone what God put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. And there were no mounts with me except when I was riding on no other horses, no other mules. By night I went out to the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem, which had been broken down, and its gates, which had been destroyed by fire. And then I moved on toward the fountain gate. By the way, there's 12 gates Twelve tribes of Israel, right? And the king's pool. But there was not enough room for my mount to get through, verse 15. So I went up the valley by the night examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate, and the officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had said nothing to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. And then I said to them, and here comes the key verses, 17 and 18. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? You see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me, and here's the most amazing part, and I pray by the end of today's message you'll be able to say these words together as well. What did they say? It says they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Let's say it together again. Let us start rebuilding. And I could end the sermon right there if you'd like. Amen. I won't. So Nehemiah is troubled in his heart. His homeland destroyed. Perhaps people in Haiti feel like that today. Their homeland destroyed. And God put on his heart to go ahead and be part of rebuilding his homeland. So Nehemiah goes at night and he examines 
the wall. I'm sure as he walked along the wall, he might have tripped on some rubble, as you can see rubble here on the ground. And he took a look at the holes in the wall. You can see right through them, can't you? And he could see the weaknesses that those holes brought. The wall was no longer strong. Oh, I'm sure there were some strong points, but the majority of the wall, the Bible says what? That it was broken down, it was burned. And the people were very vulnerable at this time. Anybody could attack, couldn't they? So Nehemiah goes at night, and I'm sure he's taking notes. Okay, let me look over here. We're going to need this over here. Need some stone over here, some wood over here, some mortar over here. This side of the wall and this section of the town, and he makes all these notes. The wall that you see before you today, we're going to talk about it more next week, is actually a wall of brokenness. And we'll explain those pictures to you as well. We were blessed this past week by, by one of our faith family members, Scott Wiley, who built the framework of the wall, Kurt Gledhill, who did the painting, and about 20-some girls of the small groups who painted this wall just for you guys, so you could really feel and see the illustration. The walls at this time were large. You're wondering how big was the wall. I shared with you, it's about four and a half miles in circumference. These walls may have been 100 feet high. And at the wall, the wall was a place of prominence. Many decisions were made at the wall. Rulers, merchants were at the wall. It was, if you didn't have a wall, my goodness, you were nothing. The walls were broken. And last week we spoke about our brokenness. So God put it on Nehemiah's heart to be a part of the rebuilding. He examines the wall. He needed to see what was wrong, right? And when he's looking at the wall, seeing that something's wrong, the people didn't quite see it as he saw it. So Nehemiah needed to alarm them that day. You see, it's been 70 years, and Nehemiah said this to them again. We'll read it again. Turn back to verse, chapter 2, verse 17. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we're in? Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned by fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall, Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. You know how it is when something's broke for a while and you just don't notice it anymore? Like a hole in the wall, you just kind of don't notice it, right? Maybe like a, a, a broken garage door. Yes, I have a broken garage door. Or, or you might have a car that clunks a little bit, but if the brakes go out, you definitely got to fix those, don't you? And you don't notice it. And, and I'm sure the people over those 70 years had given up hope, right? We're broken. There's nothing we can do about it. When Nehemiah comes to them and says, hey, hey, you're broken, he needed to speak some truth to them, and they needed to admit they had a problem. And then the first thing Nehemiah does every single time when he talked to the king, Artaxerxes, he prays. When God put it upon his heart to do this thing, he prays. And after Nehemiah prays, he acts. Please keep that in your memory, he acts. So Nehemiah speaks to these people about the broken down wall, and he wants to be a part of this amazing, almost impossible feat, and how do the people respond? We need to see it again, because I'm praying that this is the way you'll respond after I share what I have to share with you today. Verse 18 says, they replied, let us start rebuilding. Can I hear it from you guys? Let us start rebuilding. And they didn't sit down and drink a cup of coffee. No, it says, so they began this good work. So they began this good work. As you'll find out in the sermons to come, they got the wall done, amazingly, in 52 days. Can you imagine that? 
only 52 days. But I have a question for you today, and it's this. What wall in your life is in rubble? Where are you broken? As Nehemiah examined the walls, I want to examine, let's examine our hearts right about now. Perhaps it's a relationship with your spouse that needs repair. Perhaps it's a relationship, a strained relationship with your children that needs some fixing. Perhaps your finances have been tanked for a while and you, and you think if you just ignore them, they'll go away. Well, how's that working for you? How's it working for you to ignore any of your brokenness? I don't know all of your brokenness, but I know if you say that I'm not broken, Pastor, you're a liar. Every one of us has something broken in our lives that needs God's repair. So examine your heart, if you would, that thing that indeed might be causing you sadness right now, that thing that says, God, I'm ready to give up. Last week, Pastor Ed shared with us, when you're so broken, there's only one thing you can do, and that's to cry out to God. I invite you today to indeed cry out to God with whatever it is in your life that needs God's healing hand upon you and know that indeed in your brokenness, God brings restoration in his son, Jesus Christ. Through that cross that was offered you for you and me some 2,000 years ago and that cross makes a difference for us today, doesn't it? Maybe you're past the point of brokenness in your life. But maybe there's somebody sitting right next to you this morning who's not. Would God have you be a Nehemiah in their life to help them rebuild? That's the question for you this morning, dear friends. Where do you need to do some rebuilding in your life to have an intentional plan? Nehemiah, the first thing he does, he walks past the wall in the night and says, what's going on here? He observes it. And obviously, Nehemiah designed a plan then because he then he goes ahead and he makes some assignments. Look at chapter 3 with me, would you? Chapter 3. And it's interesting, the assignments that Nehemiah makes. And I'm just going to go kind of speed reading through this. We're going to just go dot, dot, dot through a couple verses of chapter 3. Verse 1, Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. And then skipping down to verse 2, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. Verse 3, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Verse 8, Oziel, son of Haharhiah, one of the goldsmiths, repaired the next section, and Hananiah, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. Interesting. Goldsmith, perfume maker. All kinds of people rebuilding this wall. Isn't it amazing? And then verse 17, next to him, the repairs were made by the Levites. I'm going to skip to verse 22. The repairs, you notice this next to thing? Next to, next to, next to, next thing? Next to, the repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding area. That was verse 22. Verse 27, next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section from the great protecting tower to the wall of Ophiel. And then finally to verse 32, and between the room, above the corner, and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants made repairs. Do you notice what happened there? I think everybody got a part in rebuilding the wall. Nehemiah couldn't do it himself, could he? 
There was so much rubble, so much debris everywhere. And you know, I think we learn this as little kids, don't we? When there's so much struggle around us, it's time for everybody to pitch in. Nehemiah screamed probably at the top of his lungs, Jerusalem's in ruins, right? The gates burned down. We've got a problem here. Houston, we've got a problem. Something needs to be done about it. And the people together with one accord didn't say, you know, no, Pastor Ed should take part that part of the wall. No, no, this person over here should take part of that wall. No, I'm too old to take part of that wall. Everybody jumped in and did their part. Sometimes in a message, we have to share something for the faith family specifically. And I'm going to share that with you now. And I was challenged by God whether or not I, I should say this. I think I'm supposed to. Okay? Here it is. Messiah, you are an amazing church. You are amazing. And God has gifted us today. There are people with talents in this church that I am just awed by. There is great power and great, great strength sitting right here, even though you might feel a little weak today. We have politicians that are part of this church. We have policemen. We have mechanics. We have teachers. We have principals. We have all kinds of people in different places with different talents. But here's the problem, though, that I'm going to have to let you know. Messiah is a little bit broken today. Just a little bit broken. And the ministries of Messiah happen, and there's an amazing children's ministry that happens right over here called Kids Creek. Ever sent your kids there? Raise your hand. Yep. How many of you have been a part of Wonderful Wednesdays? Raise your hand. How about, how about Mondays? Huh? Have you ever been to Marvelous Mondays? How many of you have ever gone on a mission trip here at Messiah and went to other parts of the world? How many of you are part of the greeting and hospitality team? Raise your hand. How many of you are a worship assistant? Raise your hand. How many of you have just done different things to reach other people in your place of work? Raise your hand. I thank God for you. I thank God for you. Messiah has a little problem right now. And the problem is indeed this. Turn with me to Luke chapter 10. Please turn there. It'll reveal what it is, all right? And we're going to speak about this just for a few more minutes and then present a challenge to every person gathered here. Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. Luke 10, verses 1 to 3. And this is the account of Jesus sending out 72 messengers because 12 apostles was great, but not enough. Simply not enough. It says this in Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 3. And after this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two, ahead of them to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, you guys know this, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. And then verse 3, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Dear friends, our brokenness right now, our wall, our challenge, and by the way, it's an amazing challenge that God would bless us with this opportunity right now in this place is indeed what we read there What Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send workers. And I know what you're thinking right now. So then why did, did you leave these five people go then if the workers are few? Why did that happen? Indeed, as we shared with you, finances, the resources aren't there. 
And that's just symptomatic of the economy, right? Many of you have been part of the same terrible thing, downsizing at your places of work, have you not? And, and now you've got what? You've got one person doing three persons' jobs. So nobody's whining here. Dear friends, though, Jesus said then, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few, because that's because they just didn't sign up yet. Do you notice in Nehemiah, in the Nehemiah there, that Nehemiah didn't come with a big team of engineers, did he? No. And you notice that Nehemiah basically showed up by himself, went some 800 miles, traveled, and all he had with him, he said, you know what, I need some wood probably need some nails to rebuild the wall. And he headed out with a few horses, and there they went to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. They almost had nothing. But here's the cool thing. The people resources were there. Where, where, where were they? Right there. And so the goldsmith worked with a perfume worker. And the high priest, the highest person in the church at that time, working beside other people. The Levites worked. Normal people working together. Why? Because of Messiah Lutheran's church, which is reaching one more life with Jesus Christ. See, God had it in mind all the time. Because he needed you and I to be a part of the rebuilding. And he needs you now, more now than ever, to be a part of the build, rebuilding. Nehemiah spoke to the people, and he let them know of the problem that was going on. The wall is broken down. There's rubble. It's been burned down. They were in disgrace. And he shared with them the blessing of the king, that the king gave him all the materials and the permission to do this. And what did the people say? They didn't, stand, they didn't sit over here and be an armchair quarterback, right, and say, well, on Monday morning, you know, they should have done that, shouldn't they have, right? They did that wrong. Okay? They didn't sit and drink their cup of coffee over here and say, you know what? No, 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 that group of people sitting in the church over here, no, they get to take care of that, did they? No, they said, let us start rebuilding. Can I hear you say it? Let us start rebuilding. Every Sunday, there's an amazing church right here. Oh, you guys are so amazing. And as Renee Tesson would say, the volunteers in this church are out of this world, and you are. I need to share a statistic with you. This is what happens. Now, this is not a, a, you know, just an example of Messiah Lutheran Church, but it's all Christian churches that are, people are experiencing right now. This is what happens. 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Did you hear that? 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Ouch. Are you one of the 20%? are you? The Bible talks about storing up your treasures in heaven, doesn't it? You know what that means, right? That means using the gifts that God has given you to reach one more life with him, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. There are so many broken people, and you guys are broken as well, broken people who are never going to enter these walls ever. Broken people who are searching the internet, right? And they're just looking for some answer, for some healing in their brokenness searching for it. There are people in this community whose families are busted up, right? And a number of kids go down to something called the rock just so they can have some peace and love and somebody who cares for them. And indeed, we have a broken country, don't we? There's a lot of brokenness in the world. And if you want to go to Haiti, my goodness, everything, everything they owned is broken. But you know what? God's still there. God's in control. And God has moved even people like us 
to be a part of their rebuilding. It's time to rise up, Messiah. There's never been a more time like now to rise up and to be a part of the rebuilding. Pastor Ed has shared this with you, and it's something that's obvious. And if you're just here as a visitor today, if you're from another church, maybe it's your opportunity to be part of rebuilding at your church. And we are invited, if you just stepped in here today and you've never been here before, God loves us so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for our sins so that we might have eternal life. You've been given that amazing gift, haven't you? Raise your hand if you know Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. But there's a lot of people out there that haven't heard the message yet. And this is your turn to maybe you're sitting on your hands this morning going, oh boy, he's going to ask us and challenge us this morning. That's right, I am. Okay, all right. If God, and this, I, I've thought about saying this or not, okay, but I'm going to say it. If God has given you a gift, a talent, finances, you're giving it for a reason, not just for me, not just for you. It's for someone else. And I'll say these words, shame on me and shame on you if you're not using it. God has given you a gift to use. You know, we often say this at Messiah, right? We say, God is good all the time. time. Hey, I got it right. (laughs) How much has God blessed you in your life? Oh, my goodness. The blessings are enormous in my life. I have an amazing family, amazing children, a house, food, clothes, a lot of stuff that God's provided for me. Has God kept me safe? Well, he kept me safe this week, thank God, right? <laughs> you know, I'm wearing this shirt here. I almost look like that target symbol, right? Uh, there's a big target on my chest. I said, okay, Kurt, watch out. You're, you can run, but you can't hide. I, I have to say something. It was by no coincidence this week that we had not one, not two, but three staff people that God took out this week. That was not coincidental. The walls are burned down. The church is a little bit broken right now. And all the resources are right here. The harvest is plentiful. The workers are few. The challenge for you and I this morning is, you know what, Pastor, that's great. And and I've always wanted to be a part of something here at the church. But you know what, I'm just frankly too busy right now in my place of work. Okay, but maybe there's another day for you to help out. Frankly, Pastor, I've got a lot of brokenness in my family that I've got to take care of that. And I'd say, what is, our, what is our priorities? It's God first, family, then you. Take care of that. Don't ever start here. Start with your family, right? But you may say, my finances are broken. You might say, my car's busted down. We can come up with a lot of excuses, okay? You are an amazing church. And Messiah in the past, when there's a need, and there's a need right now, has risen up and said, how can I help? And together we've said, let us start rebuilding. Indeed, we built the building you're sitting in. It's 10 years now, did you know that? And we built the surrounding area with all the kids' room. And it was never about the building. It was about reaching one more life with Jesus. All the broken people out there that haven't heard the message of the gospel yet. That's why we built a stinking church. We don't need the walls. 
but we need you. You, okay? And if you've heard this before, it's like somebody harping on, well, hear it again, we need you. The wall's busted. It's time to be family. It's time to be family and everybody do their part. Nehemiah, all the people gathered together and they picked up some bricks. And I found out this week, I can't do this by myself. <laughs> I can try hard, but I can't do this. I need these men over here and this man over here. And the, on all of you, we need each other to do, go about the mission that we've been asked to do. So here's the challenge. challenge is this. I'm asking you to pray. Jesus said what? He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. Will you pray that? Will you pray to ask for more workers? Please, please do this. And here's the second challenge. One hour. One hour is all that I'm asking of you a month. One hour to look past your busy schedule and be a part of your church. Your church. My church. Your church. We are the body of Christ. Each one of you has been here, put here for a specific reason at this particular time. One hour is all I'm asking for. Part of our brokenness is right before you. Grab that flyer that's inside your bulletin. Grab it right there. And I believe this is God's intention all alone that we would indeed own our church again. Every single person here. It says, I can help. And this shows a little bit of our brokenness. Whether you would like to be a blessing as a worship assistant, or part of the hospitality team, or part of the website, or part, if you'd like to be a camera operator, by the way, dear friends, we've only got two guys. We are, right now, if you don't know it, but we're live. We are live around the world right now. And the message of the gospel, Jesus Christ, is brought to people every single Sunday at 9.30. People are clicking on, their lives are being changed. You didn't know another church is out there, did you? But we are running out of volunteers, and indeed, we're about ready to go dark. And the gospel is not going to get out. Would you like to run a camera so that the gospel can get out? Would you like to be part of the mixing of this so that this can happen? Would you like to be part of the kids' ministry, to be a shepherd to kids? We've got so many things going on, and next week, would you like to be a part of serving people food, of being a part of journey, serving a cup of coffee? And here's my promise to you. If you give one hour, Pastor John's going to buy a steak. You're welcome, Pastor. Oh, we're all a bunch of cows. Get the meat ready. I'm just kidding, okay? God so loved the world, and he gave his one and only son for you. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The wall's a little broken now. It just needs a little repair. It just needs you. Prayer, one hour. Take the sheet, fill it out. If there's something that this doesn't apply to you, you don't want to do that, put down what it is. And be a part of an amazing dream that God had some almost 40 years ago to reach out into Bullock Creek, to reach out into Midland, to reach out into Michigan, to reach out across the nation, across the world, to reach one more life with Jesus Christ because we're not here to sit here so that one more person in their brokenness can be healed. And I want to do this a little bit different to end the sermon this morning. Nehemiah spoke to the people and said, the wall's broken down. And the people said, what? Let us start rebuilding. And all God's people are ready, say, amen. amen.